are in the second week of a series called Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous and prayer are not words we tend to put together, but through the course of this series, that's what we're talking about. What's the difference between dangerous prayers and what I suppose we could call safe prayers? Well, safe prayers, I suppose, are softer prayers, grace before meals, a uh, child's prayer at bedtime, the blessing at the end of Mass, traditional Catholic devotions used to worship God or venerate Mary and the saints are examples. They give expression to faith. They provide comfort or encouragement. Such prayers can be fundamental to spiritual life and growth on a daily basis. Dangerous prayers are different. Dangerous prayers make specific requests to God. When we pray dangerous prayers, we bring very clear petitions to him. Dangerous prayers require us to stretch our faith and trust in, in God. They take us to places in our relationship with God that we've never been before. Dangerous prayers rely on God's power and presence. We expect to hear from God. Dangerous prayers means you're all in. They're cries from the heart. They connect with the deepest desires of our heart. Dangerous prayers search your soul. They break your habits. They change your path. They set you in the direction of the more that God has in store. They're move mountains, work wonders, expect miracles kind of prayers. Last week, we acknowledged that some prayers work and some prayers don't, in the sense that they don't seem to affect what they propose, which, if you think about it, is true of everything we undertake in life. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. That need not discourage or dissuade us from prayer. In fact, in the course of this series, we're going to focus on praying more, more skillfully, more powerfully, more effectively. Last week, we also challenged you to identify one dangerous prayer that you could focus on in the course of this series, one prayer that needs God to come through to make it happen. We read about exactly that kind of prayer in the 10th chapter of Mark's gospel. Here's what happened. Jesus and the disciples came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. So Jesus is passing through the city of Jericho, which even 2,000 years ago was considered an ancient city. The crowd of people were following him. That always happened. Jesus attracted crowds wherever he went. And crowds were always loud and chaotic with people vying for Jesus' attention. All that commotion would have tended to drown out a poor man begging on the side of the road. As a blind man, Bartimaeus was destined for a life of poverty. His only source of income came from begging, which he was undertaking at the busy town gate, presumably a profitable place to beg. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Bartimaeus began to cry out, Jesus, son of David. 
Son of David indicates royal status, kingship. This is actually quite interesting. Bartimaeus knows who Jesus is. Blind Bartimaeus is, it seems, the only person in that whole huge crowd who recognized who Jesus really was. Effective prayer, first of all, does that. It recognizes and acknowledges who God is and who God is in my life. Bartimaeus names Christ as king, Christ as his king, and this establishes the whole context for his prayer and what comes next. And what comes next is the most basic of all prayer. Have pity on me. It's the prayer that we pray at the beginning of Mass. Lord, have mercy. It's the fundamental, it's the basic prayer that we can pray. Besides life itself, mercy is the most basic, the most fundamental need we have before God, the most fundamental gift we can receive from God. It writes our relationship with God. As a blind man, Bartimaeus would have been considered under judgment, under punishment for some serious sin. So his perceived need for mercy would have been great. And to his credit, his prayer boldly names that need. He's asking for a right relationship with God. Look what happens next. Many of the crowd rebuked him, telling him to be quiet. But he kept calling out all the more, Son of David, have pity on me. What's he doing? Well, he's persevering in prayer. And he doesn't let the apparent lack of an answer nor the discouraging voices of others stop him or slow him down. In fact, it fuels him. He cries out all the more. You know, above all, dangerous prayer is persistent prayer. Prayer that keeps going despite disappointment. Prayer that will not be silenced by resistance. Prayer that does not lose heart. You know, when you meet resistance to prayer and go ahead and keep on praying anyway, you will become better at it. You will become stronger through it. Your prayer will become easier. And make no mistake, meeting and dealing with resistance in prayer is part of the process. Bartimaeus keeps going. He doesn't quit. And look what happens as a result. Jesus stopped and said, call him. Amid all of the chaos and confusion of the scene and the crowd, and Jesus resolutely determined to march to Jerusalem where he will suffer and die on the cross, he stops. He stops what he's doing because he heard Bartimaeus. Whenever you're tempted to think that God doesn't hear you, that God doesn't care, that God isn't listening, that God has better things to do, remind yourself of Bartimaeus. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, get up, he's calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Dangerous prayer actually requires something else of us besides prayer. And it's something we don't want to do. It's something we never 
want to do. Dangerous prayer requires sacrifice. It requires personal sacrifice. We've got to have skin in the game. And that's what's happening here. Bartimaeus doesn't just come to Jesus. He threw his cloak aside. He threw his cloak aside. Think about that. His cloak was his livelihood. Passers-by would toss coins into it. It's how he collected money. It's how he made his living. Tossing it aside meant he was tossing aside that day's wages, which also meant he probably wouldn't eat that day. But he was also risking losing his cloak entirely, which had been an economic catastrophe for him in the short, in the short term. And yet, he sacrifices cloak and coins at Jesus' command. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Seems like an obvious question. This guy is blind. Jesus can heal people. What else would he want? But before we can see God move, it's very important to have clarity about what specifically we're waiting for, what specifically we're waiting to see. If we don't know what we're looking for, we're never going to see God move. As we said at the beginning of the series, dangerous prayers are specific prayers. It's safe prayers that are just general prayers. Here's the reason. When you make a vague request, it's difficult to impossible to know if God has really answered your prayer. When you pray, bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts, is the food really blessed? It looks and tastes the same. However, when you pray a very specific prayer, it's very clear whether God answered with a yes or a no. And that's risky because you have to deal with the fear and the fact that God very well might say no. Jesus asked Bartimaeus what he wants. Bartimaeus is crystal clear. I want to see. And think about that. Everything that's happened in this episode is preparatory for that request. He recognized the Lord and who the Lord was in his life. He righted his relationship with the Lord. He persisted in prayer despite resistance. And he exercised self-sacrifice. Now, he makes his request, his dangerous prayer, I want to see. And we know the end of the story. He immediately received his sight. That's a nice story. It's a nice story if it really happened, but so what? And what's it got to do with us? What's it got to do with us this morning? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the same Jesus who could, could heal way back when in Jericho still can. The point of these stories is not to tell us who Jesus was, but who Jesus is. It's not to tell us about what he did, but what he does. Healing happens. Not always, not everywhere, not for everyone, but it happened for Bartimaeus back in Jericho, and it could happen for you, too. If your dangerous prayer is for healing, 
of a physical, emotional condition, some medical emergency or challenge, could I encourage you this morning, today, to take advantage of our healing ministry team who are here with us today. After Mass, you can come forward, come here to the altar, and our healing team members will be at the head of each aisle just waiting for you. If you're online, we have healing team ministers there too who are available to pray over you, to pray with you, to pray for you, to pray for healing. Because our faith tells us healing happens. It's true, it's true. Not always, not everywhere, and not for everyone. And that certainly doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair to me. But it doesn't in the least discount the fact that it happens. Take a look. Who gets healed? You know, that's something that you hear about in the Gospels. That's the Jesus that you read, hear about on Sundays. But that doesn't happen now. It's just too crazy. So 2016 was probably one of the worst years that our family had ever seen, had ever been through. And in the midst of that, I was um, in line and scheduled for a partial hysterectomy to um, hopefully deal with some pain that I had had for um, several months. And the pain was um, debilitating. I had lovely doctors all along the way. I had wonderful doctors who cared for me and really wanted the best for me, but something just went wrong. I think the best way to describe it would be a piece of barbed wire through one hip, twisting around any and every organ in my pelvis, and then to the other hip, and then tightening it. Basic things like walking, breathing, washing the dishes, driving the kids were almost impossible, and it just felt really unfair. Uh, our friends and family and people who just loved on us were relentless, were relentless to show us we were not alone. We love you, we are here for you, and we are gonna care for you through this. So I had been in a small group for a while and then had to leave it because I just couldn't do um, too many things outside of the home because of my pain. And um, I regretted it, but I just needed the time. Um, and then I got an invitation to join another small group, and I felt like the timing of it was just, you know what, you've had your time, let's join the small group and see. And um, a few weeks into it, Susan comes in and she's like, oh my gosh, you guys, you're not gonna believe this. Um, there's this uh, story of this woman and she had been in an accident and had a metal plate in her arm and her pain was excruciating and she went in for healing prayer and the plate, you know, the, the pain is gone. And um, so we're, the joke is we're calling it like the metal healing ministry, something like that. But it was enough to make me go, no, no, no. <laughs> Wait a minute, because the coincidence was just too crazy because I had so much of my pain was due to these metal coils that were in my body. And then I brought the story home to my family because is it just crazy enough that it might be true? So I told them, <laughs> and my husband was like, wow, 
great. And I was like, it's crazy, right? Like, it's crazy, right? And um, I, one of my boys uh, afterwards was like, Mom, could you, could you just, could you just try? Could you just ask for me? Because it's really hard to watch you hurt all the time. So could you just ask for healing for me? And so I did. There's something about praying to God on your own in like a quiet time. There's something about going to church and celebrating the mass with everybody and the traditions of church. But there is something spectacular and sacred and special about being the center of this prayer where all this faith and all this hope is just being washed all over you through words of Isaiah and Jesus' words. I mean, just concentrated over you. And it felt lavish. It felt holy. It felt crazy. And that's such a weird word, right? But it's, it felt crazy to be asking for something so big because as I'm sitting there, I'm still pressing up because my back hurts, my hip hurts, my stomach is swollen, and it is unlike anything I've ever done. And yet, when I left the room, there is no more pain. The pain that I walked in with was gone. How does that make sense? I mean, I am walking, living, deep breathing, moving, chauffeuring, cooking, laundrying proof that the Jesus of miracles is alive and well. It sounds so minor and so little, but to take a deep breath that fills up your lungs and moves your body and reaches to your fingers feels so good. All of it feels like a gift that I took for granted before the pain, and now I do not.